Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Chenedu Elanya. He is the CEO at Mulberry Technology. Hey, Chenedu, how are you today? Hey, Neil. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm super excited to have you on. This is going to be a fun topic to get into. You have a great story to get into as well with a background that we all want to hear about. But first, let's check in to make sure you are a real live certified human with your capture question. Your question is, what is on the background of your laptop right now? That's a really good question. Uh, so on the background of my laptop right now is a picture of a hibiscus flower oh. that I took on a trip to Barbados. Nice. Uh, are you a photographer yourself or is just this one picture stood out? <laughs> I wish I wish I had photography skills. Unfortunately, I don't have many creative skills. I just really liked the hibiscus flower, and it reminded me of some of my childhood growing up in Nigeria as well, so I enjoyed taking the picture. Good. Well, let's get into a little bit of your background. You said you grew up in Nigeria. Now you're in the U.S., so give us a little bit of your history here. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of this super quick background (laughs) on myself, so I'm originally Nigerian, uh, moved with my parents and siblings to the U.S. back in 2003, so almost 18 years ago now. uh, We settled in New Jersey, went to high school in New Jersey, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and then ended up going to Cornell University for undergrad, which is in upstate New York. I was a biology major at Cornell, graduated actually with a biology degree, but decided to go into tech instead of becoming a doctor. So I founded my first company right out of undergrad. Were your parents upset that you weren't? They were. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can guess, right? So with parents, especially like immigrants, parents, once they come to the U.S., there's a certain track they want you to be on. So it was super controversial in terms of going to them to have the discussion of like, hey, guys, actually not going to be a doctor. I'm just going to go try and build a company. So and that was tough. It's like, fine, you can do that in a different family, not in ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, there were definitely some interventions in the early years, but uh, we were fortunate enough to do well in that first company. And so I think the parents have gotten over it. And now I'm on to my second company, Mulberry. Good. So what does Mulberry do? A little bit of background behind that. Yeah. So the way to think about Mulberry is that we help shoppers get protection on the things they are buying online. Right. So we started out by building technology that made it easy for e-commerce retailers to embed product protection onto their platform. Right. So similar to what you might see when you're going to a Best Buy or when you're on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, you get the ability to add product protection. Historically, it's been really challenging for small to mid-sized retailers to offer this just because the industry was really outdated from a technology standpoint. So we built technologies to make it easy for retailers to offer this. And now, most recently, we've also evolved 
And we recently launched a browser extension that actually gives any online shopper free product protection for 12 months on anything they're buying. So now you can install a browser extension when you're shopping on Amazon. For instance, you can get free product protection on anything you're buying on Amazon, etc. Nice. And what's the history behind the name of the company, Mulberry? That's a, that's a lovely question. So, well, one, our office is based in New York, and there's a Mulberry Street here in New York, nice. which we always thought was interesting. In addition to that, when we we're building the business, we wanted a name that appealed to our two audiences, right? So we work with retailers, but we also work with consumers, and mm-hmm. we felt like the name Mulberry was complex enough to work on the retail side, but it was still appealing enough to work on the consumer side so that was how we chose it very good well i'm like a tree enthusiast so i love anything that's named (laughs) after trees so it's great (laughs) we're going to jump into a topic here about serendipity in the office especially as people transition from in office to uh, more virtual distributed spaces this is something you actually gave a video for us for digital workplace day back in 2021 it's a big topic because people feel like, hey, we got to have the office because that's where the serendipity happens. When they say serendipity, they mean it's random interactions that's just like, oh, we had this fantastic idea just because I was sitting here drinking coffee with somebody and some lightning bolt happened like it happens in the movies. Mm -hmm. So let's back up a little bit. How do you define serendipity and how have you experienced it in your working career? Yeah, no, that's a really, that's a really good question. The way I think about serendipity is that serendipity is essentially those interactions that are unplanned for, but can lead to really interesting insights, uh, both on a relationship standpoint, so like an interpersonal standpoint, but also can serve as the basis for inspiration in a work context, right? So we talked about it being uh, not planned for, which is really a little bit of the antithesis of what we say for digital workplaces have to be intentional. You have to plan for things. You have to work it out. So that's where this kind of tension comes in. Tell us about the history behind your company. Have you guys, were you guys totally in office before or did you have some kind of hybrid system or have you been distributed? What's your background there? Yeah. So, I mean, we got started back in 2018 and we've always been in person at mm-hmm. least until the pandemic in 2020. So for the first two years of our life, we are completely in person. We would only hire in New York City. We required everybody to be in office mm-hmm. five days a week. And it was definitely a transition, obviously. At the start of the pandemic in March of 2020, we had to go remote, right? Every business went remote at that point. And that was definitely sort of like a challenge and the shift in how we walk. So did you rely on the office? Like what did serendipity look like for you guys when you were in the office altogether? Can you point to a few events that happened throughout the course of the history of the company? Yeah, no, certainly there were several. I mean, the way we thought about being in person, I think for us was always like a beautiful thing just because you could have this sort of like spontaneous interactions, like you might be going to get water and you see some co-worker there with you you guys can catch up you're talking about yeah. spots or whatever but then you can also talk about hey i'm having this particular issue that's coming up and would be good to just like take your brain on it right so quite a few of our like product 
discoveries and product innovations in the early days just came from those spontaneous conversations, whether at the water cooler, so to speak, or at a happy hour somewhere, or grabbing lunch together, you know, or even during one of our weekly sort of like all hands sections, just people feel a lot more comfortable chiming in with questions and with suggestions when it was in person. So now that you've made a transition, are you hoping to, I guess, as the pandemic continues to linger on, but hopefully we Mm -hmm. we get a point where companies at least have the option to be in person more often if they want to. What's your plan going forward? Are you guys going to be, hey, let's all get back to the office. We've missed this. Are you going to be more of a hybrid system? Are you fully going to commit to staying distributed? Yeah. So in terms of where we landed, we spent a lot of time thinking about it. And we ultimately landed on a hybrid approach. So we reopened our office in New York City, right? which we think of as HQ. And that's mm-hmm. actually where I am right now. However, we have decided to maintain sort of like a remote first culture, right? And all of the implications that come with it. So our teams are like pretty distributed across the U.S. at this point. So we have people on the West Coast, people in the Midwest, East Coast, etc. And we also have people, of course, in the New York City area. So mm-hmm. from a culture standpoint on a go-forward basis, it's geared towards we'll have an HQ in New York City. However, we will be essentially a hybrid business. If people want to come to New York, want to come work out of the office a few days a week, that's totally great. If they want to stay remote uh, in perpetuity, that's also totally fine. So then let's come back to this idea of serendipity. You said it's been almost essential to your growth as a product, to thinking about new things. How have you planned for the unplanned? Like, How have you tried to create situations to make this happen? Yeah, obviously in a remote first world, it's so challenging to do this. And we've spent a significant amount of time trying to find ways to do this. Uh, The core of it comes, the core challenge comes with in the remote world, you kind of like generally need to like plan and you need to schedule things, right? So if you're going to schedule a meeting, it needs to have like a specific agenda to read, etc. And so that does not usually leave a lot of room to color outside the box, so to speak. And so a lot of what we've been working on now, what are ways that we can manufacture some of those like spontaneous connections, spontaneous discussions, right? And we've iterated on a variety of approaches, both at the company level, but also at the team level, and then also on an individual level to try to walk through this right so some of the things we do today is that every new hire essentially goes through sort of like a a typical orientation process but we've made modifications to it right which is that we have something called a body system right so every new hire is actually paired with a body and the body is really sort of like there to work with them to navigate their company so the body helps set up like these impromptu coffee chats with people Mm. across the business just as a really nice way of still making sure you have at least a direct connection to one person in the business and then having that one person serve as a guide to you to get to meet the rest of the organization. I think one of the things that is tougher for companies to figure out is the cross-team interaction, right? 
Yeah. Like within a team, you're probably meeting a few times a week, you're mm-hmm. having discussions. So there's at least opportunity for that kind of friction to happen. Yeah. But oftentimes, like if somebody's in a different department, you don't see them for months at a time. Whereas if you're in the office, you at least make eye contact, you say hello, those types yeah. of things. Have you found a solution for that? Yeah, I mean, the cross-team piece is definitely something we've spent a significant amount of time on. That was why we actually implemented the body system, right? Because the way we've designed it, the body is generally someone that is on a different team from you as a starting point. But beyond that, a lot of the coffee chats, our bodies set up within the business are really sort of geared towards cross-team, not necessarily people on your own team, but people, let's say, you're a new hire within engineering, you'll do multiple coffee chats with people in marketing, sales, finance, etc., just to get to meet those people. Beyond that, one of the things that we also focus on a lot is we have a forum called Osmosis, and mm. that's really sort of like our version of the all hands. Yeah. And osmosis, we started it actually like pre-pandemic, but it's been really important to the business post-pandemic, right? So once a week on Fridays, the whole company gets on Zoom. Uh, the agenda tends to vary. Sometimes we're talking about some of our strategic initiatives. Other times we're having an Olympic athlete come in to run sort of like a happy hour type event for us. And we can break out into these sort of like smaller groupings in order to really get to know each other on a bit more personal level. That's a great use for the all hands meeting that we really definitely advocate for and encourage is like, if you're going to get people together, like don't do like updates. Hey, here's what we worked on this week. Like no one wants to hear that. Use that time for this kind of stuff. That is so true. Cause I mean, it's just, you get very, very, few windows of time when you have like full engagement of the overall business and mm-hmm. you want to make sure you're being as impactful as possible with their time. Definitely. I know in your video before you had mentioned using uh, Donut, uh, an app inside Slack, yeah. which, which I've experimented with and I found a lot of, I enjoyed using that a lot. We've moved off Slack, so I kind of wish I had something like that now. Are you guys still using that? Yeah, I mean, so we've definitely like played around with a few things. I actually used Donuts uh, at one of my, I was part of a sort of like fintech founders group and we were using Donuts within there. And it was a really interesting concept just as a good way to schedule sort of like impromptu meetings. Mm -hmm. Within Mulberry, we've tried to replicate it a little bit, which is that we have an amazing people team here at Mulberry. And they do a ton of work just to make sure that the employee experience day to day is amazing. And so the people team has been really instrumental in sort of like replicating the donut functionality and helping with some of the nuances of scheduling as well. So the way we function today is that we'll still have this sort of like weekly coffee chat. And this is outside of the body system. So once you're a fully established employee, we'll still have sort of like random pairings on a weekly basis where you get to meet people across the different parts of the organization on a 30-minute coffee chat. And for us, that's sort of like, it's real. I've really enjoyed those. And I think the team has enjoyed it as well because that's sort of like a really nice forum for you to take a step back. Mm-hmm. There doesn't need to be like structure or agenda to it. It's just, hey, let's check in as a person. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? Uh, what are some of the interesting plans you have coming up? Things like that, you know? 
So really trying to replicate that feel of the water cooler conversation, but yeah. bring it virtually. So. What about serendipity as it goes through different, like as your company builds in size? So we'd like to think like at the, in the early days, it's like, hey, there's just five of us here in this room. We're all together. Yeah. We all see everything versus, hey, now there's a hundred of us. Hey, there's 250 of us. Like, yeah. How do you see serendipity scaling? Yeah. Yeah. The big thing it comes down to is like communication. It's super critical. So at the start of the pandemic, actually, we were a team of 13 people. And today, Mulberry is a team of 75 people. And so we've had to grow pretty significantly during this period of time where everybody was remote, right? And so the big thing we've learned is that you need to be super intentional in terms of how you communicate. So for me, on a weekly basis, I'm sending out a detailed rundown of the things on my mind, the things I'm focused on, sending that out to my entire management team, just so they are always on the same page about, hey, this is the direction we are trying to go in. And then beyond that, in terms of like, how do we scale it beyond the routine communication? It's really like investing heavily in a culture of like one-on-ones, mm-hmm. right? And so for us, yeah, there's still the challenge of you still have to like plan it, right? You still need to schedule a one-on-one meeting. However, the thing we found that really helps is that within the first like 10 minutes of that one-on-one, we generally sort of like spend it just like connecting as a person, mm-hmm. right? So learning on what's going on in each other's lives. And we've tried to replicate it throughout the organization. So every employee we did Mulberry generally has a recurring one-on-one set up, not just with their direct manager, but sometimes skip levels as well. And it's really just focused on making sure that we are all sort of like connecting, understanding where everyone is. I love that idea a lot, especially with, you know, just being able to connect with people. That's one of the the prime uses of that synchronous time. As we're now, we're two years into this, you know, grand experiment about not working only from the office that's going through. Do you sense, like, how do you look at your own work between what we'll call synchronous work and asynchronous work? Yeah. If you're going to have time with people, like, what do you want to use that time for versus what are you putting in that asynchronous bucket? Just says, hey, I'm just going to send out my updates, read them when you can. Here's written, here's audio, here's text, or here's a video of me doing something versus, yeah. no, we actually need a meeting for this. Yeah. Most interested for you, like, what do you feel like you need that meeting time for? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Like, every startup founder will tell you that meeting culture is a big struggle. Yeah. And I don't know of any company that's ever like perfected it or found the right balance. In terms of how we think about it at Marbury, definitely you want to push at, as much as possible into async, mm-hmm. right? So you want to be communicating with people asynchronously, whether that's using Slack to send out messages, whether that's using email to send out messages. Etc. But you want to push as much as possible to async. However, there are still a couple of cases where meetings come into play. Right, the first place where meetings come into play is if it's something 
that is sort of like a rapid turnaround situation, right? So, hey, there's a fire going on right now. We need to figure out how to solve this immediately. You can spend a lot of time trying to like type it all out in Slack and things like that. <laughs> but in some cases, it's probably easier to say, hey, guys, let's just take five minutes and get on a Zoom call and sort this out. Right. And we found that to be really expensive. We found that to be really effective just for basic firefighting. Right. In the other place where meetings come into sort of like focus is when you're doing like strategic planning. And generally with strategic planning now, uh, we run an OKR system. We've been running an OKR system for it. Well, and so in terms of our typical playbook, yeah, it leads off with a memo, sort of like a sync communication to set the table. So everyone really understands sort of like the surrounding context. But then we definitely spend a lot of time meeting synchronously to dive into the details of it, which is like, hey, where are we going? What are we trying to solve for? How do we plan to get there? All right. So, and I think in our experience, it's had to do a lot of that strategic planning in an async fashion. You can get the context in an async fashion. But in order to actually make a lot of those key decisions that will impact the organization for the next quarter or the next year, you generally still need to get some synchronous time together in the meeting. Yeah. And I like how you've put it. It's a blend of both, right? You can send things ahead of time to say, hey, here's what we need to work on. Here's some thoughts I had. Yeah. Then we know that that time together, that synchronous time can be very fruitful. Exactly. I think that's what I've learned over the last two years. Or I mean, I've been working remotely a little bit longer, but like that time is so valuable and like, I don't want to waste that. Uh, if I, yeah. if I get 30 minutes with you on a call, like I want to get the most out of it. If we get to the end, I realize why well, I, I could have sent you all that ahead of time. Like, and that, that's yeah. a failure on my part for sure. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Chinedu, as we kind of close down this discussion, where do you feel like you are, are moving forward as a company? Like what are you going to be experimenting with over the next six months that you're excited to share about? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I find really interesting about this current phase is we recently reopened our HQ in New York City right mm-hmm. before this next Omicron wave. God, <laughs> <laughs> And so for us, it's, we had, everybody had all these like grand plans about like how we start to get back to office. Yeah. And now you kind of need to take a step back and rethink. So for us, we're spending a lot of time going through that rethink now and figuring out, okay, hey, it looks like this pandemic is sort of like here to stay. There'll be new waves coming up over time. So how do we find the right balance of things, right? So how do we create great programming for those folks that want to come into the office? Mm-hmm. But how do we also ensure that the folks working remotely are not excluded, right? Yep. And that's one of the things we're really digging into. And in terms of our approach, I think for us within Mulberry, we have like a culture that's really focused on inclusion and involvement. We want everyone's opinions in mm-hmm. terms of how to shape the culture. So we're spending a lot of time just sort of like having informal discussions with our different teams to figure out hey, what are some of the approaches we can take. And they're definitely interesting solutions in our mind. We have solutions focused around like an in-person component. So Twice a year, we're still going to do like a regroup and bring people down to New York uh, for what we call Mulberry Palooza, 
And then in between those, we're also looking to see if we can do more of like local group events. So like we have clusters in different parts of the country. So bringing them together. And then, of course, looking to pair that with sort of like virtual events as well. So it's not really like a one-size-fits-all solution. A lot of it is just continuing to iterate, but really focus on how do you create a great experience for the employees within the company. Yeah, and like you said, I think the stakes have risen for what's expected and what we need to get out of that in-person time. Like you said, it used to be it's like everyone show up to the office five days a week, and you just kind of build culture as it goes. It just kind of happens and fun. You do a few fun things, it goes through. But if you're saying, hey, just twice a year we're going to be together, then that puts a lot of pressure on that time. And you really want to do it right. You got to have it planned. You got to have it that experience worked out. It's great. Yeah, totally. Excellent. This has been fascinating to talk to you. We've really learned a lot. I'm feeling very encouraged by what you guys are doing and what you can share with other people. If people want to learn more about you and the company, where should they go? Yeah, the best place to learn about us is simply our website, getmulberry.com. And we also have a social media available. We're on Twitter. We have really awesome memes on Instagram. <laughs> Both of those handles are simply getmulberry. So check us out on all those platforms as well. Definitely. We'll put those links in the show notes. Uh, Chinedu, thanks so much for being on the show. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. Great to be here. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you found it. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice-a-month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level 5 digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.